0: Pastor Ed Taylor speaks of one of the greatest dangers in the Christian life. Compromise tears down your progress. And on top of that, it rewards you by overwhelming you with a sense of condemnation and fear and failure. Compromise is often the first step toward habitual sin. When you talk to a person that's backslidden and they come back to the Lord and you begin to think back with them and try to help them never do that again, it all started with some dumb little compromise
1: This is a messing This is a failing now you would take my place. There are a couple of events in David's life that would seem to stand out above all others. Perhaps the slaying of Goliath is one, and certainly the fall into adultery and murder would be another. We'll look at the latter today on abounding grace and seek to learn from David's mistakes so that we can avoid going down a similar path. We've seen many triumphs and successes to this point in David's life. And now, like so many of us, he makes a series of poor decisions. Pastor Ed Taylor observes how it all started with compromise. Here's Ed in 2 Samuel 11. Don't
0: misunderstand God giving the facts with God's approval because as you'll see in David's life, God in no way approved of any of his actions. God was in no way involved and David's not seeking the Lord. It tells me he is. one day he got up and went outside. doesn't say one day he got up and said, Lord, what would you like me to do today? He just got up and went, went outside and something caught his eye and you can, just can read the chapter. You'll see that it, it leads to utter, absolute destruction. You see, God will use us. We see so clearly God getting the glory, treasure in earthen vessels have we've seen through our studies. As God has put his treasure into earthen vessels so that the excellence, this is 2 Corinthians 4, 7, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not us. This is the story of everyone that he's ever used, beginning with Adam and Eve. This is it, this is is the way it is. Some people had less mistakes than others, but the reality is, is we're all frail, we're all broken, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And it's only because of God's grace that anything good comes out of our lives that brings him glory. Anything. The basis of God's choice is always contrary to human reason. He chooses people like Matthew who was ripping people off or Jonah that was running away. He chooses Peter who was not, not uh, afraid to deny or those sons of thunder. What kind of nickname was that? Sons of thunder. They must have been very interesting characters. Just wanted to wipe people out in God's name. Just calling fire down from heaven. God used them. He corrected them, but he used them. And it's true that God so often chooses unlikely candidates because he'll get all the glory and all the attention and all the credit. Listen to this in Isaiah 48, verse 11, it says, For my own sake, for my own sake, I will do it. For how should my name be profaned, and I will not give my glory to another? For my own sake. It's not God's desire that man get the credit. He doesn't want any man lifted up but his son, Jesus Christ. So God will often choose people like David. Those that the world would reject so that he'll get all the glory, all of it, and save none. Think of Moses. God used Moses. He's God's man, God's choice. For those of you reading through the Bible, you just finished reading about Moses. And you're, maybe you're in Exodus right now, or you just finished up on Exodus. You're, you're in and looking at his life, and you think, wow, wow. He wasn't chosen for his successes, but rather his failures, And the hope that Moses brings us is even if you failed, God can still use you. And maybe that's you. you failed along the way and you've come to the conclusion that God has a one-strike plan and you're out. But that's not true. God will give many chances. We often refer to God as the God of the second chance. We like that because that makes sense. But it doesn't stop at second. God is ready and willing and able to receive you back. I always like to encourage people that that I serve with that you know I love to work with people and I love to express grace I I want I have I have high hopes for even those that have failed and, and I encourage them when I get the chance that man please don't do anything where I have no choice because there's a lot of things you can do where I have no choice You know, in ministry, you can disqualify yourself. And and I have no choice because I'd have to stand before God if I made an exception. That doesn't mean we're not going to love you. It's not mean we're not going to be there for you. It's not mean we're not going to pray for you. It doesn't mean we're not going to meet with you. It doesn't mean any of the things. But sometimes in ministry, someone will make a choice that, that leaves me no choice. Leave me some options. And I'll take those options. Leave me some options and I'll work with you. Leave me some options, but don't make a decision that you can't unmake. And in chapter 11, David makes a few decisions that he can't unmake. And yet, even in the sovereignty of God, God works with him. But his life was never the same. You want to be able to make your decisions so you don't stain your life, so you're not ever the same. And while you're still on this side of those decisions, consider David's life. Consider it as a warning. We see in David's life in the upcoming upcoming chapters, great failure. Huge Supreme failure. If if we were posting on Instagram, it would be an epic fail. Epic. It's it's one you want to stay away from. David commits adultery. Then he plots to have her husband murdered on the battlefield. And when that doesn't happen, he makes sure it does take place as a last-ditch effort to cover up his sin. And for at least nine months, David refuses to confess his sins refuses to repent. And yet God still spoke to him and sent a messenger to him. And through the message, revealed to him his sin. And he then sought the face of the Lord and was able to make a new beginning. But friends, listen carefully. We have the hope of new beginnings and I believe God can do that. But listen carefully, lest you allow David's stupid sins to be the justification for your bad decisions. Because a lot of times I'll hear, well, you know, you got look at him, he's doing fine. Look at her, she's doing fine. Look at David, God still used David, he's known as the. Yeah, but David lived with pain the rest of his life. He absolutely ruined his family. He destroyed his family through these decisions. David paid dearly for his sins. He suffered the consequences of his sins for the rest of his life. And so shall we if we rebel against the Lord. You see, God chastens those that he loves and seeks to make them obedient. The good things that we receive in life, we pay for in advance. Because God prepares us for what he has prepared for us. You know, the idea behind that is that you're storing up for yourselves treasure... And the Lord is now working in you through obedience, and you get to enjoy the things in advance. Obedience now leads to blessings, then. However, the opposite is this, and I'll quote this. I found this in a in a commentary I thought it was great, and I quote it. The evil things we do are paid for on the installment plan, and bitter is the sorrow brought by the consequences of forgiven sin. You think of the consequences of unrepentant sin, but there are also consequences for Even forgiven sin. And David is an is a illustration of that to us. So as we end today, seeing chapter 10 and and then a little bit of an insight of what's coming up in chapter eleven, it's important that we remember that we need to fight the right battles. We need to be able to fight the right battles. David was victorious in military war. They would carry him as the champion. But he wasn't victorious over his own fleshly lusts and desires. Great the military victory, great the failure with the flesh and his lust. And and one of the things we'll see in chapter 11, and I encourage you to read the chapter, that's probably all that we'll cover if if we cover the whole chapter at all, or next time. But one of the greatest dangers to the Christian is compromise. And you see that compromise in verse one. It was time for kings to go to war, but David stayed back. He should've went to war. He should've done what he was supposed to do. And that's the vocabulary of compromise, where you know what you're supposed to do and you don't do it. Sure, we could call that disobedience, but it's also a form of compromise. And compromise will always lead to more. The little concessions, the small slip-ups, Times that we go against the Word of God, just a little, just a little. I know what mom said, I know what dad said, I know what the preacher said, but just a little because it doesn't really apply to me. Or the times that we go against our own conscience. The Holy Spirit in you, believer, in your own electrifying, I mean, en- enlivening your conscience. And you, go, you know it's wrong, but you do it anyway. You know you shouldn't, but you do the times where we rage against wise counsel where you have people in your life saying don't do it don't go there no and you're asking finally finding someone go oh yeah go ahead they're probably in compromise themselves the times that we know that i shouldn't but i do i shouldn't but i will they've taken down the strongest of christians those little decisions how this mighty have fallen They've sapped the strength of many others. You see, as we grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, we change, and we desire more of the things of God. And when we compromise, we take that progress, and not, at the very least, it arrests our progress, and at the most, it puts us on a path away from God. The Bible says we're becoming more Christ-like, more holy, more pure. And with this growth and strength in your life that some, many of you are experiencing, you go, yeah, I'm a different person since I gave my life to God. Yes, I'm a different person since I was born again. Yes, things are different, Ed. You're right. If I wrote that book, I would leave out that chapter because I really, I'm not proud of that time in my life. I, I don't even know that I would want to. I'm not in a place where I want to share my testimony right now. That's just where you're at because you look at your life and you're just like, man, I wish that chapter wasn't even there. Things have changed. But because things have changed... You have a new temptation in your life and that temptation is to compromise. Now we're not talking about the good kind of compromise because you know there's a good kind of compromise when you come together and you're at odds with one another and you both choose to meet in the middle. That's not what the Bible's talking about. Meeting in the middle and making peace, the Bible says that's a good thing to make peace in a biblical way. Of course you want that. This type of compromise is you know what you need to do and you don't do it. Or you know what needs to be done and you choose not to. Your resolve gets weakened. Compromise tears down your progress. And on top of that, it rewards you by overwhelming you with a sense of condemnation and fear and failure. Compromise is often the first step toward habitual sin. When you talk to a person that's backslidden and they come back to the Lord and you begin to think back with them and try to help them never do that again, it all started with some dumb little compromise. Some little thing that they saw at the moment as no big deal, and the enemy saw it as an open door to enter in and wreak havoc in a person's life. That little flirt, that little wink, that little talk, that little website, you know, I I could go on and on with the type of things that are always knocking at your door. Instead of just stopping and resisting and establishing holiness in your life, you compromise. And it's wrecking the church. It's wrecking our church. It's wrecking the church of Jesus Christ. And it always brings a black eye to the name of Jesus Christ. And unfortunately, compromise will always be with us. It shouldn't surprise us to find that it's the enemy that needs our attention that we need to resist the enemy and resist the devil, and he'll flee. But he's always wanting our attention. It's really a constant attack of the enemy in our lives. Go for it in Jesus' name, but don't go too far. You know, go ahead. Do the Christian thing. Learn the songs. Buy a Bible. Learn the words. Just don't get too radical. You might even be surrounded by people or they go oh that's good you got religious you got spiritual you know I'm spiritual too so I'm spiritual this way you go to church oh that's good you're spiritual too but then you begin to talk to them about the absolutes of life and you begin to talk to them no I'm not spiritual no I'm not spiritual like you think it is I, I just read my bible and did you know it's in the bible Jesus said that he's the only way the only truth the only life and nobody can come to the father did you ever know that Jesus said that oh you're a Jesus freak man you're not I'm not into that you're so judgmental, and you're, you're such a bigot, and like, whoa, 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 whoa. And what will happen? People start calling you names. Some, for some of you, just being called names is enough to cause you to compromise. You know, I don't want to be called names. I just want to go to work. <laughs> I just want to work and just get along with everybody. But because now you're afraid and you're in fear, you just want to kind of bypass all that, now... What are you talking about? Well, you're talking about what they want to talk about. And what are, they, what are the spiritual people at work like to talk about? Junk and sin. And then you get in it. And Then you're in on the gossip. And then you want to know what's happening with these guys and what's happening over here. And, and before you know it, you're a believer born again, but you're living like an unbeliever. Why? Just a little bit of compromise. Just a little decision. It was time for believers to stand up for what they believe at work, but you decided to send somebody else to do that and you hung out at the water cooler. If you guys still have a water cooler, but you hung out where in the cube farm and talked about all the kind of stuff that everybody talks about and didn't edify yourself and now you're defiled and you're in. Why? Well, because somebody called you a name. That's why. A name that, if they call you Jesus freak, is actually a good thing to be called. said, so, yeah, you know, I am pretty radical. I, I mean, you might call it radical, but I'm just telling you, I, I live for what I believe in. My God gave his life for me, and, and I, I didn't mean to offend you. I'm, I mean, I'm sorry if I offended you, but I was just telling you what Jesus said. I was just telling you, this is what I'm reading in my Bible. You asked me what I was doing this weekend, and this is what I was doing. I was reading my Bible. And compromise... As you meet folks, and a compromise will make you weaker. And you know, all these accusations, shunning. You know why they're calling you names? You know why they're pushing you into a corner? You know why the, they might even say, You're, Where are you going? I'm going to church. And why are you always at church? You're in a cult, man. You're in a cult. I remember I, I, I had people, my parents thought I was in a cult for a while. I'm like, No, man, I'm reading the same Bible you are, mom. This is what it says Is you should come with me no no you know eventually they did but they i know my parents they were just waiting to see if this was legit or if i was just into something else that i would be out of sometime soon and eventually they did come to church with me and eventually they did rededicate their lives and eventually the lord did a great work eventually my dad was calling me here in colorado asking me bible questions that's crazy we used to watch all in the family together. That's what we did. Johnny Carson. We did not talk about the Bible in our house. But to have my dad have a whole list of questions, we used to send him the CDs here from the services. We put them on the mailing and send them out. And he would there be listening. And sometimes when we got the technology up at his house, he would watch life. I mean, people are waiting for a reason to follow Jesus. Don't misunderstand them when they are offering you all these kind of resistance because what's happening is really we're not wrestling as we we were looking this morning in Devos as a staff, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood we're wrestling against principalities and powers there's a spiritual battle and what's happening through this resistance is the devil is offering you a way out he's offering you an opportunity to compromise you may not see it as that big a deal but it's a huge deal and he's offering it to us Man, you won't be called another name if you give in a little bit. You won't be made fun of or talked about behind your back if you just give in a little bit. They might even invite you back to lunch with them if you just give in a little bit. They might invite you to their parties. You know, if you just take that first hit of marijuana like you used to, they'll start calling you again. Just a little one. It's not that big a deal. You give in to that sexual temptation, then you'll be liked. It's often a tactic that's used uh, in a guilt way to get somebody to have sex. you know, I'll like you and I'll love you and I'll care for you and it's all just a lie. Sex belongs in marriage and you'll be married to the one that loves you. It's God's heart for you. You have to, you and I, we haven't turned much. We haven't turned at all, have we? Luke chapter nine, would you turn turn with me to Luke chapter nine as we close? We've got to have the mind of Christ in this area, church. Otherwise, chapter 11 is going to be our chapter, and we don't want it. And it may not be sexual sin. Who knows what it might be that is a weak point in your life. But we don't want that chapter written for our lives. I don't want it in my life, and I hope that you would join me that your desire would be for the things of the Lord, and it doesn't matter what people calling you names or trying to make fun of you or the kind of persecution that you might be facing right now, it is worth it to follow Jesus. It is worth every decision. It is worth every standing for righteousness. It's worth every time saying no to temptation. Even if you saying no to temptation means you look at your boyfriend in the face and you say no. You can't use me that way. Or vice versa. You can't. I belong to God. And he's told me how to use my body. I believe that's a word for someone listening in right now. You've got to follow Jesus. Listen, verse 51 of Luke chapter 9. Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up. Here's Here's the phrase. He steadfastly set his face. That is the mindset that you and I must adopt in our walk with the Lord. For him, it was to go to Jerusalem, but ultimately, it was, we learned in John, he steadfastly set his face. He steadfastly set his face to do the Father's will. That's what he says. He says, "I've always do the things that please the Father." and it requires a steadfastness. The idea behind that is, man, it, it requires a commitment. Jesus would say in another place, it requires you and I to count the cost of what it means to follow him. Jesus would say in another place, if anybody wants to follow him, that they must deny themselves and then take up the cross and follow him. Steadfastly setting our face toward him. And then notice he says in verse 52, he sent messengers before his face and as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him, but they did not receive him. Why? Because his face was set. Jesus was set on the cross. Nothing would deter him. And it's that determination that we need to set our faces toward Jesus and his high calling of holiness in our lives. Otherwise, chapter 11 will be the story of your life. Chapter 11, The Great Failure of David.
1: Pastor Ed Taylor on how to stay out of trouble. And this is Abounding Grace. You can go online to hear today's message again. Visit calvaryaurora.org or purchase a CD copy for just $2 by calling 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Ed, as we closed, you encouraged us to steadfastly set our face toward Jesus, to avoid falling into sin, as David did. I was wondering if you'd tie that into our prayer lives and the resource we picked out here in the month of June.
0: The resource that we have this month, Larry, Radical Prayer by Manny Mill, is a must-read. And I know reading books on prayer can be very condemning, or, you know, you could feel condemning, the author is not trying to do that, or very convicting for sure, But Manny, he shares his own life story, and Manny and I have become good friends. He is the real deal, and he has a passion for prayer. And Primarily, his ministry is going into the prisons and ministering to those that are in prison because that's part of his testimony. But man, prayer is so important, and and immediately when we choose to pray, whether we sit down to pray, whether we pray over a meal, whether we pray while we're uh, driving, whether it's a quick prayer, short prayer, long prayer, we are automatically turning our attention toward God and putting the circumstance in our life. If we're truly praying, we're putting the circumstances in our life in the right context. And so increasing our prayer is going to increase our attention and our focus on the things of the Lord. So please do get this book. It will bless you. It radically changed my whole perspective and just grew me uh, in wonderful ways And I'm so grateful to be stirred up in my prayer life, and you will be too.
1: We'll gladly send you a copy of Radical Prayer when you support Abounding Grace today with a gift of $25 or more. We can be reached at 877-30-GRACE or go online to calvaryaurora.org. Here at Abounding Grace, we're thankful to the Lord for the opportunity to share the word all over the country. But we can't do it without the support of our listeners. If you'd like to stand with us, please call toll free at 877 30 Grace or turn to CalvaryAurora.org. Here's what's coming up next time on Abounding Grace. The way to stay strong,
0: or I should say, be strong, the way to say stay strong is to pour yourself into what is good. You can't get enough good in you. And spend very little time in what is evil. Learning to love what God loves and hate what God hates. And as with any relationship, straying outside that which will build you up will soon
1: tear you down. And ultimately, will tell you apart. That's Tuesday on Abounding Grace when Pastor Ed Taylor encourages us to do the right thing at the right time. This is amazing grace. Grace with Ed Taylor is presented by Calvary Chapel Aurora.